0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, college hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour app is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com/RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800 NEXT STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, call 1-800-327-5050, or visit www.ma-helpline.org slash gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland, 1 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York, 467 369, New York, 1 800 Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. Jason Timpf in 10 Minutes, Hoops Tonight Podcaster at the Volume, Bucks, Celtics. Interesting thoughts on that. So I watched two baseball games. And two things were very noticeable. The game really moves now. The pitch clock speeds it up about 20 to 25 minutes a game. It is very noticeable. It moves. It's swift, which sports should be. And also, there were more base runners. I can't prove that, but I noticed in the games, I watched more stolen bases, more activity. You know, that thing people like to watch called action. Those were the two problems with baseball over the last decade, declining attendance and declining uh, TV ratings. Uh, The games were too long and didn't have enough activity. Hockey is over three hours. Lots of activity. Football over three hours. Lots of plays. Fewer huddles. More activity. Baseball was getting up around three hours. No base runners. So you needed to change the defensive shift. Those outs now become singles and doubles, more runners on, more stolen bases, more first to third, more second to home, more activity. It was noticeable in the two games I watched. But here's the thing about baseball. football's different. I've never gone to a football game and not tailgated, college or pro, ever. I've never just shown up and gone to a game. You tailgate. It's understood you give half a day to a full day if you're a Patriot fan in Foxborough. You get up, you have breakfast, you're going to tailgate. And then you're going to go to the game. And then you're probably, because Foxborough is hard to get out of, knock down a beer or a brat before you go home. You give the day to football. So time becomes less crucial. Sundays in the fall, eight home games. Those are eight sacred family and friend moments. Pictures, videos, food. But the more games you have the less it becomes an event. Basketball, 41 home games. I've never tailgated for a basketball game. Baseball, 81 home games. Too many games for the games not to be succinct. It doesn't matter if it's a Broadway play. It doesn't matter if it's a movie. You go to a movie once a month, you're going to give it two hours. You go get a bite to eat before the movie. You go to the movie. After the movie, you go out and get a glass of wine with your wife. You know, you go, you do that once a month. If you went to a movie four days a week, five days a week, you're not going to do that. It's too costly. You don't have that time. So the diehards will bitch and complain. And that's fine. They always do. I mean, go to Twitter, go to social media for five minutes. There are people on there. Their entire feed is about complaining. I don't think it's just to get clicks. I think they're miserable. Some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy. And so people can complain, hey, Colin, you don't worry about it. You and the TikTok generation. I'm 59 years old, and I think baseball is slow. I'm not on TikTok. I'm barely on Twitter. I'm never on Instagram. I have eight social media accounts. I don't have a password to any of them. They're run by my staff. I occasionally post on Twitter. That's it. Baseball was too slow. And it's a killer with 81 home games and 162 minimum over the course of a season. So people are going to complain the diehards. They're irrelevant. They're not going anywhere. They're scorpions in the desert. You can't kill them. The bottom line is keep it moving. More base runners, more fun. And about the only downside in the stadium You know, you always go to a baseball game. You have a couple of beers. You may not have time for a third now. (laughs) Beer sales might decrease slightly. I think the sport, Budweiser, Stella, Corona will survive. But I noticed it about a month ago. I got in my car from my house to go to the grocery store. It's about an eight-minute drive. It was a Dodger game. And they got through an entire inning. And I thought to myself, Uh, The late Vin Scully, what would he have done with a sport that moved so quickly? His stories, there would have been no time. But Vin Scully would have made his stories more succinct to fit in to the time. I will watch significantly more baseball this year. And by the way, diehard guy, you're not going anywhere. You'll still watch too. So baseball got both of us. Love the feedback I got interviewing Nick Kahn on the volume podcast, the Colin Coward podcast, the CEO of the WWE. Uh, I am told I got a lot of pushback from uh, WWE fans because years ago, I called them booger eaters. Um, Colin, how could you be a hypocrite and talk to Nick Kahn? Well, I talk to Nick Kahn every year since I've owned the volume. I am fascinated by the spectacle and the business operation, and the production side of WWE WrestleManias. That's why I went to one in Vegas. That's why I'm going to the one in Los Angeles. I don't really care about the outcomes. I mean, I watch the stars. I watch how they're marketed. I watch how they're promoted. I watch kind of the, again, just the holistic nature of the sport. I said this on the air at Fox and I'll say it again I think anybody in the media in any platform should go to WrestleMania at SoFi over the weekend um and watch how production at the highest level works I don't care about outcomes I mean I know Charlotte Flair and I like her I think John Cena's a really good guy but we all know it's scripted <laughs> I'm not losing sleep on that but I've said this before I've I've gone to a lot of sporting events and I'm not sure um I've ever seen anything more impressive in person, the way it unfolds the communication while it's happening. Remember these are scripted. So choreography is essential. And then when it's over, how they close up shop, get it on a truck and they're off to the next city. So I, I went backstage in a couple of events so far with the WWE and it's jaw dropping. And you know, and I, When I created the volume, I consume media differently than a lot of fans do. I don't care about outcomes. I'm looking, how does this company do it? How do they do it? What works? What doesn't? Mistakes, strengths, liabilities, weaknesses. That's how I look at stuff now. And so WWE, Nick Khan's a friend, one of my better friends, my consigliere in my career, uh, we joke. He is somebody I lean on for big decisions uh, for the first, you know, my ESPN career, and now he's a friend who I don't have the access to now because he runs WWE, but somebody, if I ever have a question, he's always got a definitive answer, and it's always the smartest one in the room. So, I will forever support my friend, Nick Kahn and the WWE. It is truly, these WrestleManias, are truly a production spectacle. Fascinating to watch them pull it off. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all terrain tires for on and off road adventure. Go to tirerack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
2: Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition at ProPlanSport.com. That's ProPlanSport.com.
3: All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. We are live on AMP. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on our podcast feeds, that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We're not going to waste any time today. We are going to bring on the great Colin Cowherd, to discuss that stinker of a nationally televised ass-kicking from the Boston Celtics in Milwaukee against the Bucks, And then we're going to cover a bunch of big-picture NBA topics. Colin, it is good to see you again. How are you today?
0: Good. I was thinking as I was watching it, it was a decent first quarter, and then it was a disaster. And I thought, you know, Jason, generally, you don't have... Dynasties in all these pro sports. Patriots had two really significant, like six year runs, but 10 years in the middle that they didn't win a Super Bowl. And that's the longest dynasty. But, you know, I was thinking about the NBA. So you have the Russell back in the sixties and then the seventies, it was wide open. And then you had the Celtics, Lakers dominate the eighties and you had the Bulls two, three year runs. I think Shaq and Kobe three warriors, you know, have not, they've won what four titles, but um, you know, it title lost, couple KD lost, disappeared, back one. Is that generally in NBA history, we don't have an all-time great team. And I think we have to come to terms with the Warriors, because of age, even if Wiggins came back, have kind of moved out of all-time great team stuff. Boston's not there yet. They need to meet another dependable score. Um, although brogden has been a nice fit. And I watched Milwaukee tonight. And, you know, it's a little bit like the Seahawks. When the Seahawks won with Russell Wilson in the defense, we were all like, oh, we're getting four here. <laughs> <laughs> we get one. They kind of blew the second, and it fizzles out. And I watched Milwaukee, and I like Chris Middleton. But hurt early, he's not the same player. He's simply not. He's, he's down to about 15 a game. He's still... Jason, a good shooter. He was never the most vertical player, but he's not the same player. That's why they've leaned more on Brooke Lopez and uh, Drew Holiday this year. Um, They've leaned on him more. And so as I watch them tonight and Chris Middleton kind of walks off, I'm like, yeah, this is – I thought we were going to get three, four, and I'm like – They're going to be in a real, they're going to be in a real battle with a Cleveland, you know, by the second round, potentially. That's my take is that I, I thought this was going to be more night dynamic, but Middleton's injury, you know, it's, it's kind of like
3: Giannis who stunk tonight and then B guys, that's what it feels like to me. You know what was so interesting about this game is I Milwaukee really lost their cool. Not, and I'm not talking about like emotionally. We did have that one little blow up from Middleton where he got on the ref and, and got the tech. Yeah. But aside from that, it, it was a implosion mentally with their approach to the game. You talk about this a lot. On your show on Fox, this idea of like the way the game of basketball has changed to where shot result, like jump shooting result, swings the games wildly. And like, you know, wildly. one team makes their threes, the other team misses their threes, suddenly you got a blowout. And like, you know, what's so funny is a lot of the analytics guys over the years have tried to hit, kill this idea of like the hot hand theory. Like, there's no such thing as getting hot, it's 100% random. But I could not disagree more. I actually think the hot hand theory expands out to teams and what was so interesting is in that first quarter it's like tatum's making his pull-up threes and brown's making his pull-up threes and the uh, celtics are really packing the paint and and Giannis is making those kickout passes and they're just missing everything and you could see it kind of got in their head but what's so interesting is the really good teams they see the difference between process and results usually and the bucks are usually one of those teams and you go hey we're just missing eventually these shots are going to start falling then we'll regain control of this game. But no, in that second quarter, they completely lost their cool in terms of their execution. Just dribbling up the floor. Giannis just dribbling up the floor and shooting pull-up jump shots, even though none of them were going in. Drew Holiday's <laughs> dribbling up and shooting shots. Chris Middleton, sh- like, they got away from what was getting them the good looks in the first quarter that they just happened to be missing. And I was actually messaging a couple of people that I talk about, talk with during the games. And I was I was saying, like, you know, This is actually a little bit fool's gold for Boston early because they were taking contested pull up threes. Tatum and Brown were and they were going in. And I actually thought the script would flip in the second quarter if Milwaukee stayed with their process, but they did not. And that's what's so interesting is like Boston is a team that we've always kind of gotten on for being a team that struggles with execution But that was the opposite of the script in this particular game. And the narrative coming out of last year's Eastern Conference uh, semifinal series between those two teams was very much like Boston got away with one. Middleton was out. Giannis almost beat them by themselves. But really, all season long, Boston's looked great against Milwaukee. There's clearly no mental advantage there. Boston likes their chances in that matchup.
0: Yeah, it, 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 what's funny about the the West this year is about who hasn't played. AD misses time. LeBron, KD's out. Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, Kawhi. Paul George now is hurt. The East is actually the opposite. The East is about, are they going to get Tatum rest? You know, the new Celtics coach, they want to get Jalen Brown all NBA. So they're. You know inserting them like tonight the Celtics got their guys out but there's been a real push in Boston why is Jalen Brown and Tatum in these games late well I mean the word around the league is they want to get Jalen Brown an all NBA bonus you know I mean to foster chemistry with a new coach in a room you want to make sure the guys like you and and also you know Tatum too many minutes Embiid should you be resting Embiid and Harden down the stretch Harden we've seen because of his ball centric style although he's a better distributor this year we We've seen him kind of lag off. So I feel like I get a true test of what the East is. Cleveland matches up very well with Boston. Very well. Boston this year matches up very well with Milwaukee. Chris Middleton is not the same player. So, Brooklo, you know, they're a very good defensive team on most nights. Lopez, Drew, and Giannis are tremendous defensive players. But I, I do feel like I know what the East is. The West. I When LeBron and AD are playing and now Austin Reeves has emerged, you're like, oh, okay, that's different. Austin Reeves is a real three in this league. So I I kind of feel like I know um, I kind of feel like if Cleveland faces New York. Knicks don't have enough shot makers. Cleveland's winning that series. And I kind of feel, I, I, I think Philadelphia, not that they're fool's gold. I don't trust them situationally. I feel I'm going to get Milwaukee and Boston. And to your point, the Celtics have matched up really well with them.
3: Yeah, and that that little bit of extra ball handling with Malcolm Brogdon, you know, you know, is interesting. One of the big things that's, and I want to give the Bucks a little bit of slack. They were on the tail end of a back to back. This is two times in a row that the NBA has handed them major national television matchups: the Nuggets game and this game on the tail end of a back to back for whatever reason. Which I right. would hope that it, if we were having this conversation ten years from now, they would get rid of back to backs because it's just so bad for right. the television product and a bunch of different things. But. Milwaukee was really struggling to contain Boston's ball handlers. And you know what's funny is Milwaukee has never been a super athletic or quick team compared to some of the other teams in the conference, but they have this system, right? Like, it's okay. You don't need to keep everybody in front. All you got to do is funnel them to Brooke. But then it's like, Boston's going to park Al Horford out past the three-point line, and now Brooke can't hang out by the rim the way he usually does, and it kind of forces guys to slide their feet. And all of a sudden, guys like Joe Ingles and Jay Crowder look pretty slow, and they can't keep anybody in front, and that becomes an issue. Then on the other end of the floor, Boston's just containing all of that dribble penetration from Milwaukee. I've talked about this with you before but i always look at perimeter defense as like the line play in the nfl it's like that unseen battle that not enough people pay attention to whether or not you're containing ball handlers versus giving up a bunch of straight line drives is usually the difference between whether or not your defense has a fighting chance or not i'm surprised you're yeah. so low on philly though you know philly's had a couple of of major national television games where they've shown up i've actually been really impressed with Embiid and hardens fight and their competitiveness although i'm disappointed yes. with Embiid for sitting out that nuggets game um, but I actually give them a little bit of a puncher's chance, especially against a team like Milwaukee. I just don't like their chances against Boston. That's the one matchup I don't like for Philly.
0: Well, and also it, here's, I, it's not that I don't think since December, like mid December, they, I think Philly's like the first or second best team in the league. Been really so Maxi's yeah. highly athletic. Uh, Harden's become, I think a better team player. Uh, Embiid is, um, I wish he would have played against Jokic. is my number two MVP uh, To buy, uh, you know, I mean, Doc Rivers is Joe Tory. <laughs> great managing egos. He's really good with that. Always has been. If you go back to uh, Joe Torrey was never great situationally. But man, Steinbrenner, A-Rod, Jeter, they had to switch positions for A-Rod. That's a lot of moving parts. Joe Torrey was the stepdad. Nobody ever wanted to disappoint. Like, everybody liked Joe. He had Don Zimmer next to him. You never thought, that's Doc Rivers. I don't think Doc late is Eric Spolstra. I don't think he's Ty Lue late. Um, I think Spolstra Kerr. But he's really good at managing a room for six months. So I have, and I like Doc, but situationally, boy, he's blown some leads, some late games. And not that they're fool's gold, but when you haven't won a ring – you do tend to play harder consistently in the regular season. You're seeing it now with Cleveland. They play hard. First of all, their, their average age for their starters is about 23 and a half, so they're <laughs> playing their ass off. And you see it and you see it by the way, um, you see it with Denver. You see it with Sacramento, whereas you know, Golden State, um, even Phoenix, you know, they, they've been to a final, so it's not that I don't it's not that I don't believe. You know, I, I argued this for years with friends and Bill Simmons. The NBA is two seasons. Football's not. It's one game a week. If you're not serious, you get hurt. Same in hockey. But it's, it's different in basketball. It's two sports. And I'm always just reluctant to embrace um, teams that haven't won a title with talent. So... I I honestly think Cleveland, if they matched up eventually with Philly, could be a real problem. Could be a real problem.
3: Yeah, that specific matchup. The, the East is going to entirely come down to matchups and who plays who. And, and, and any of those teams has a chance should they catch the right matchup. You're right, though. The Western Conference is so much more wide open. I Denver's starting to get it together a little bit, but I still fundamentally, uh, I still fundamentally don't like some of their core basketball identity things with the fact that they don't have a great uh, defensive front court. We talked about in our last show about how in NBA history, you just need to have at that four or five position, all time great defensive players to have a fighting chance and they just don't. And Jamal Murray runs hot and cold, which is concerning. And I think that knee, it kind of continues to flare up for him from time to time. Sacramento is actually tailing off and their defense is getting worse and worse as, as time goes yep. along. Memphis, again, they're getting it together. But without Brandon Clark, it's a depth issue, and I still don't trust their half court offense. And then again, it really just everything points me back to the Warriors and the Lakers. And I I keep coming back to two things for each team. For the Warriors, can they win without Andrew Wiggins? And for the Lakers. I don't think
0: they can. I I just don't think they can.
3: You know what's interesting is with the Wiggins piece in particular, like, and, and it's almost a testament to how great that core is that they've managed to win as much as they have but they're they're coming back from major deficits in all of these games like they beat the pelicans they were down 20 (laughs) they beat the sixers they were down 11 in the fourth quarter they came back and almost beat the timberwolves they were down nine early in the fourth quarter in that game you know even that bucks game like they were down eight with two minutes left like steph and clay and draymond and steve kerr they're, they're just grinding out wins And it's crazy because when you're looking from the standpoint of the standings, you're like, they're actually in good position to potentially get the five seed, especially with the Clippers remaining schedule. They might end up getting the five seed. And I actually like the matchup with Phoenix because Phoenix is such a bad perimeter defense team. But the thing is, is when they get to those higher level, high pressure situations and late rounds of the playoffs... You just need Andrew Wiggins. You do. One of the most underrated parts of their playoff run last year was the job he did on Luka Doncic and the job that he did on Jason Tatum. And taking him out of that equation makes everything so much more difficult for them. And I want to so bad believe in what they can do. But here's the thing. If Wiggins isn't coming back, I just don't think they can do it.
0: Well, and also, Jason, is Wiggins in shape? No. So let... So I was told he wasn't going to play for the regular season. He, he was nobody knew about the playoffs and nobody knew at the time I reported it, nobody knew if they were going to make the playoffs, right? So let's say he comes back and is not in shape. This is the NBA. It's hard enough in November to enter the season not in shape. You can't play yourself into shape in the playoffs. And he's their best all on-ball defender, um high IQ super twitchy. I mean, Jason, they have no front court scoring. None. So, I mean, Weissman, they moved off him eventually because, you know, he just didn't fit the time. Everything with them, I've been told, Kerr's feeling is, as long as Steph is great, they're going to do whatever it takes for Steph to have a chance to win a title. The, The organization, I've been told, Steve feels, we owe Steph just as many titles as we can give him. So they're going to make moves and bail on young guys. Now, the good thing about Wiggins out is Kuminga has gotten more of a chance, but he's so raw. He's so inconsistent. I mean, that's the difference between talent and wisdom. Jordan Poole's good, but has bad nights. You kind of know what you get from Steph. Kuminga, again, crazy twitchy. But there are nights you get 16 minutes and six points and he's just not there. So I think in the building, they know they can't win without Wiggins. I've been told they know that it just doesn't work.
3: Yeah, with the community thing, it's funny. I always always joke like as a young basketball player, every time you have a good game, you kind of look back and you think about what caused you to have a good game and you kind of commit that to memory. And every time you have a bad game... You kind of think about what caused you to have a bad game, you know, this specific process thing that you did poorly, or or this specific thing with your form that got out of whack. And over the years, as you become a more experienced player, that's what causes you to become more consistent as you learn how to avoid the things that lead to bad games, and you learn how to replicate the things that lead to good games. And that's the thing. Kaminga actually done a lot of Wiggins-esque stuff. He's done some isolation scoring at the end of shot clocks. He's done a really good on-ball defense, um, uh, he, like he did a pretty damn good job on Luka the other night when he was guarding him and and then he's working really well in the warrior system cutting and, and and finding ways to be impactful offensively but the problem is is then he'll have a night where he goes one for seven and, and gets lost a little bit off the ball so that that's the inconsistency piece the Suns are undefeated with kevin durant in the lineup chris paul devin booker kevin durant and deandre and if i have played 154 possessions together and they are outscoring teams by 30 <laughs> points per 100 possessions. (laughs) And they're amazing on both ends of the floor. Are you buying Phoenix? I'm a little bit worried about them being thin, and uh, it's easy to push them around a little bit. And then their perimeter defense is a legitimate concern from a matchup standpoint. But whatever I'm saying, the scoreboard says they're kicking everyone's ass. So where are you at with Phoenix right
0: now? their bench scoring is 10th. So they have Warren, Craig, uh, T. Ross, it's okay. It's not dynamic. But you know this. Go to the finals last year. Seven guys for the Warriors and seven guys for the Celtics got big minutes. You shrink that thing fast. I think the concern, Chris Mannix was on my show today, and I think he's right. My concern is they, they have a lot of elements I like. An experienced coach, two dynamic scores, semi-decent length and rim protection. Um, the issues is Chris Paul. Like There have been nights – Like he's not close. And this happens to NFL wide receivers. (laughs) They hit 34, and it's like, who's that? He can't separate. (laughs) Like, that's a position where you fall off a cliff fat. There's gradual for a left tackle. You know, Andrew Whitworth for the Rams, it's very slight, very gradual. Receivers fall off cliffs. Chris, like, if you went into a series and you took a 1 0 lead, there's an argument to be made. You could rest him in game two for game three. Like, it, you almost get to a point where you lead a series 3-1, you just rest him. So, and by the way, this is, I mean, I can remember great players. Barkley at the end just wasn't the same. He needed an extra day's rest. So um, the question is, they can win a series like that. Can they win three? Probably not because, but everybody's got a little bit of this. Robert Williams for the Celtics, huge concern, right? In, in terms of health, Um, KD and Chris Paul, big concern. Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, Denver's one of the few teams we don't really worry about that. Their guys are going to play. Most your, yeah. I mean, most your good teams in the league. I mean, I'm I'm one of those. You know, Embiid is always a finger crosser to me. Like he, I've seen it the way he plays fast and hard. And Anthony Davis, right? So I like most teams in this league have a guy that is a health. Or age liability. And I think that's the Phoenix issue. I think the bench is good enough.
3: Yeah, you know, Chris Paul's actually become a target. Uh, I remember I was watching a game like a week and a half ago or so where I was watching Joe Ingalls just barbecue. Like he couldn't keep Joe Ingalls in front. And then I was like, "Uh oh, like this is this is a this is a problem. And that is going to be the big question mark. I think this off season is whether or not they're better off trying to use Chris Paul's salary as a vehicle with which to bring back some higher level role players for a team that needs more, you know, kind of like an adult in the room ball handler. So I'll be interested to see what they do there. The one other major concern I have with Phoenix is they do not generate rim pressure three three of their guys, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant are driving to pull up. So when they come over those ball screens, they're constantly getting that 10, 15 foot area and they're trying to pull up and the inability to have a guy on the roster who's relentlessly attacking the rim, which collapses the defense and creates closeout opportunities for your, for your teammates. That's the one thing that kind of concerns me because when you're a heavily, let's just put it this way. The Suns were already the team that took the second most pull up jump shots in the entire league. Off the, off the dribble jump shots. That was before Kevin Durant came. And Kevin Durant is the most prolific pull-up jump shooter in the league. So <laughs> it, the thing is, is if their pull-up jump shots don't fall, do they have a second punch? And, and that'll be the one, that the, if they do lose, I think that's how it'll happen. It'll be all their pull-up jump shooting going cold, probably in a physical matchup where guys like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant get fatigued by constantly having to fight for every inch of position and them not getting enough lift on those shots and not knocking them down. Looking to get more out of the NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time
0: to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code COLIN. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it, Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1 877 770 Stop, Louisiana. Call 1 800 327 5050 or visit www.mahelpline.org/slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1 877 8 Hope, New York or text Hope, New York 467 369, New York. 1 800 522 4700, Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Tirerack.com the way tire buying should be.
1: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
3: Uh, directed towards KD, where he said he he is sensitive. It's weird. I said to you for three or four years now, I'm not sure why he reacted to it again. I don't care where it goes. He's a great, great player. I think he's a good guy, too. He's sensitive, and I'm not worried about it. Did you did you see that uh, altercation between those two guys?
0: Yeah, I, I've always thought, you know, I've got kids, so some people are just more sensitive. Like when, when I was in my 20s, like I just didn't get it. I, I was kind of a relentless, full steam ahead. Then you have kids, and you realize, I got six, two biological four-steps. Some kids are more sensitive. You know, Aaron Rodgers is really sensitive to criticism. Kyler Murray and his people are. Kevin Durant is. It's okay. He's in touch with who he is. I I have a soft spot for Kevin Durant. I think think he is the only player in the league. Take centers out. If you had a one-on-one tournament in the history of the league, I think Durant's the only person that would beat LeBron and – Michael Jordan, I think he's just, I think he is just, he can put it on the deck, you know, take centers out. You know, I don't want to see Kareem against Ray Allen or something. (laughs) He's insane. But if you're talking like, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, Durant, Giannis or the high end. I think Kevin's one of the greatest scorers. He's also a willing defender. I think he's really smart, but he's a different cat. You know, his upbringing, he's just different. And it's like, I, 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 I'm going to accept that. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. Um, and Barclays, you know, listen, I, I think about this all the time. If I was a pro basketball player and literally one of the greatest players ever was ripping me <laughs> on television and all my friends are DMing me like Adam Silver said a year ago, because my players are miserable. So I'm old. I don't I don't care. Right. Like and, and I don't sit on the Internet, but I didn't generationally, Jason, grow up with a phone. I'm not on it all the time. I mean, I. Friday, when I leave work till Sunday, I'm not even on my phone. I got my staff said sent- I'm not even close to it. The- Kevin grew up and the- you did in the iPhone generation. It's a magnet. My kids eyes are on it all the time and he gets a little beat up by it. So I- I'm sympathetic. He is sensitive, but I'm going to embrace that. I um, I would love to see him when in Phoenix. I really would love it. I think it would be. Um, it would validate a lot of cause listen, we both knew this. When he left Golden State, it, it was a it was a really bad career decision. I I I've compared it to Mahomes saying, I've got a buddy, I'm gonna go to the Jets. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't. It was the same thing. But in basketball, we tend to give the star a little bit more of a mobility edge. The shoe sales, it's more of an individual game. There's not the team construct. You know, we, we LeBron leaves. Of course he does. Mahomes leaves, you're like, why? So I, I find myself, I'm not supposed to root, but I find myself sort of rooting for Kevin to succeed.
3: I'm rooting for him too. I think I think it's such low-hanging fruit to be like, he only won with Steph, therefore he's not a real champion. Like to me, Kevin Durant's always been a phenomenal basketball player who just got partnered with two extremely volatile point guards. Russell Westbrook on the floor, Kyrie Irving off the floor. That ended up being kind of what submarined a lot of Great his
0: success. Point. Great point. Yeah,
3: and, I'm, and I'm, I am rooting for him to have that legitimizing title. Just like I rooted for it with Steph, in In last year's playoff run, because a lot of people undercut some of his success because of Kevin Durant, which I thought was ridiculous, you know, Katie went after the whole concept of these older players being disrespectful. And you know what's so interesting to me about that, Colin, is like usually there's a camaraderie with the players. like our job, by virtue of our need to be authentic, demands that we criticize. That is part of what we have to do. But what's interesting is players. In the league, are typically pretty tight knit with criticism. For instance, Russell Westbrook was objectively awful with the Lakers for a year and a half. You couldn't find a player in the league who would throw him under the bus. Every time someone would interview them, and they'd be like, "What do you think about Russ with the Lakers?" Oh, Russ is a former MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. Love that guy. You know, I'm rooting for him. He's like no one would criticize because, like, there's this tight knit like respect among the players where, generally speaking, they speak positively of each other in a way that the media has a little bit more free reign to be critical. That's what's so weird with this older generation. And I'm so glad Kevin Durant's going at it. It is bizarre. The sheer amount of these older players that are being outwardly disrespectful of these players. They do not feel the same level of obligation to kind of keep that tight knit, like kind of uh, mutual respect. And I, I do find that super interesting. Do you buy Kevin Durant when he says that he doesn't care about legacy anymore? No, ever no, he cares. Everybody cares. I mean, I, you know, legacy is
0: a lot of vanity, but and I don't spend a lot of time on it, but I don't want to end my career poorly. Right. I want to end it having some control, you know, being part of the volume when a network kicks me off the air because my hair is even grayer than this. So I think I think everybody You know, as you age, you just you think about that stuff. And, you know, Brady at the end wanted to have more control, wanted to end it. So he picked a team with a bunch of good receivers and an offensive coach. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He he he. Tom Brady figured out, listen, I can't carry the load anymore. I'm going to go to a team with a bunch of really good receivers in Tampa, really good tight ends, bring Antonio Brown and Gronk. And I'm not going to have to lift as much. Like Matt Stafford got old. Oh, I got McVeigh as a coach. Oh, I've got Cooper Cup. Oh, I've got like, I think, you know, as you age, you still have it. You just don't have it. 48 minutes a game as an NBA player or 17 games uh, relentless as a quarterback. So I think I think Kevin is aware of his legacy and his legacy is going to be a better version of Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, to me, he's going to be a more well-rounded version of Dirk Nowitzki, a more lethal version uh, with more titles. Um, And that's a pretty good spot. Dirk's an all-timer. He's going to be a better version of that, sort of like Michael's a better version of Kobe. It's a pretty good space to be. That's an all-timer.
3: Yeah, you know, I buy him to a certain extent. Like, I I I do think he cares about legacy at least a little bit. But I do believe him that he. I think he's just the way I would describe it is similar to what we go through as members of the media. You obviously with a million, a ton, a ton more experience. But you know how like I'm not sure what it was like for you when you first got into the business because I know there wasn't social yeah. media, but like obviously i came in right with the twitter trolls and the relentless social media harassment so i've got lots of people that would dm me and 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 talk yeah. shit and say all these awful things and what's funny is like it pretty quickly within about a year i i realized like oh like there's a significant segment that you will never satisfy. Like you're just they're right. they're going to hate you no yeah. matter what you say and you can never win yeah. so just focus on doing your job and and look at the results. There's way more people who support you than than don't. And I think I think Kevin Durant has kind of come to a similar realization. I think he realizes now that there is a segment of people that no matter what he does, no yeah. matter where he wins, no matter how much he succeeds on the basketball court, they'll call him a cupcake. And they'll say that he doesn't defend and they'll say that he jumped on Steph's bandwagon. I think Kevin Durant has just come to terms with the fact that he's never going to yeah. be able to satisfy everybody. And I, th- I think that he's, I really do believe that he has come to the other side of things where he's like, I'm just going to play the best I can. And I'm going to win as much as I can. And whatever happens in terms of the legacy is clearly outside of my control. So I'm at peace with that. I do think he cares about his legacy, but I think he's at peace with the fact that he can't control it. Yeah,
0: and I think, I mean, the most criticized player in the NBA is LeBron James. I mean, uh, I always said this about Barack Obama. You didn't have to agree with his policies. You can't get worked up because once he wore a beige suit. (laughs) He's a beautiful family, smart guy. If that really ruins your day, fuck out of here. You're just a miserable person. (laughs) Like, that's just not good enough, right? You don't have to like his policies. But he wasn't weaponizing social media. So, um you know, they're just, I, I, I think, I I always figure, like, you know, like, we forgot about Joe Montana very quickly. And, I mean, it went from, Mo, you know, Montana was the GOAT. Brady beats Atlanta. We've never talked Joe Montana since. It went like Brady to Mahomes. And Joe Montana's out there, hey, I got four. <laughs> right? But I think Joe Montana is so happy in his personal life. If you ever see him around his wife, they're, like, teenagers. Cuddly, kissy. I mean, they're the cutest couple. And I think the happier you are in your personal life, none of that stuff matters. Joe knows who he is. I mean, we literally went from Brady. We talked Rodgers, Mahomes. It is like Joe Montana never played. It's insane. And um, and I think as Kevin ages, um, I think – Young people tend to think they've got it made. They're not married. No kids. They're happy in their 20th. Research shows you get happier as you age because there's less societal pressure. You kind of prune your tree. You don't really care who cares about you. I think as as Kevin has aged, it, this is very human. He he's, he's more comfortable with who he is. And it's been clearly defined who he is. He is, you know, I, I would say this. He's one of the 10 best basketball players I've ever seen. And I've, I've been watching since Wilton, 1972, 73. He's one of the 10 best basketball players uh, on his good nights I've ever seen. Injuries have not helped him in the last four or five years. He is brittle now. So it's, it's, it's hard to put him in that top five or six. He's probably, I would say, top 12. Um, but he is really, he's kind of a one-on-one. I mean, he's, he's, he's unique. I mean, Mark Few, Coach Gonzaga, he coached on those Olympic teams. And I think I've told this story. I was talking to him one time about what it's like. And I said, anybody surprise you? He said, even among great players, Kevin Durant's ridiculous. Like, even among all the great players, they got to work to get their shot. Durant just gets it, gets a great shot. Not a good one. A great one against our greatest players every time down the floor. He's like, Colin, I've seen a lot of basketball. There's just nothing like Kevin Durant.
3: Yeah. The the putting him all time, all time lists get so convoluted by centers because they're just, they play. Well, I com- I
0: take them out almost.
3: Me yeah. too. I, I keep a completely separate list. It's like just here's all the best perimeter players of all time. And I think Kevin Durant is clearly one of the 10 best pol- perimeter players of all time. It's just, it, how do you even compare him to someone like Wilt? It's a completely different sport. I I, I think you make an interesting point though. It's just, It's really this simple. If you become... Secure in who you are and what you've accomplished, then you're never going to allow some stranger to convince you you're something less than that. And and again, I do believe that Kevin Durant, in a previous version of himself, you know, five seven years ago, I think he did buy into that stuff a little too much, and he let the noise get to him a little bit. But I do believe him that he's made a little bit of a transition into a new phase where he's more kind of at peace with the fact that he can't control that stuff. Um, So I want to talk about the Lakers for a minute. Because, Colin, I'm going to be honest with you. Every time I watch them, especially with LeBron, uh, with him being back, I am so tempted to pick them to come out of the West. They are 4-1 and when LeBron is played post-deadline. That one loss was a loss to the Bulls that they immediately avenged and kind of kicked the shit out of him. And in that game, Anthony Davis had a weird game. He only took eight shots. It was just a weird loss for the Lakers on Sunday. They are outscoring teams with LeBron on the floor by 20 points per 100 possessions since the deadline. That is the same type of number that I was giving you with the Warriors in their top five starting lineup uh, metric. Now, again, it's small sample size, but they've been dominant. Here's a crazy stat for you. The Lakers starters against the Bulls. By the way, the Bulls came into that game as the fifth best defense in the league. They are an amazing perimeter defense. They contain the basketball better than just about any team in the league. The Lakers starters scored at a rate of 155 points per 100 possessions against that Bulls unit with that starting lineup. The combination of amazing off-ball offensive skill with guys like Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and then LeBron James and Anthony Davis just being two of the biggest walking mismatches in the league. Like, how 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 awesome is that? That it's like, oh, our guards are struggling with the Bulls' ball pressure. We'll just have Anthony Davis bring the ball up the floor because Vucevic can't guard him. And then we'll post up LeBron James on Alex Caruso and get fantastic shots every single time. I think they're going to get mismatches like that in every single series in this playoff run should they stay healthy. So I, again, I the, uh, there's two things that concern me. LeBron's health. Anthony Davis's inconsistency in health because he is the kind of guy that'll take eight shots one night against the Bulls, even though he's being guarded by like Derrick Jones Jr. And then take 20 shots and score 38 against the same team the next night. That's definitely a wild card. But I do think when they're clicking on all cylinders, I think they have a higher two-way ceiling than any of these teams in the Western Conference. Am I too high on them or do you agree?
0: Well, there's one thing they do exceedingly well, and this is where they're the opposite of Phoenix. They're going to get a lot of free throws. Anthony Davis attacks the basket. LeBron attacks the basket, usually. Austin Reeves attacks the basket. So they're the opposite of Phoenix. Phoenix is always bitching about free throw opportunities. Lakers are going to get to the line. Everybody's going to say, it's rigged. No, this is what they do. They don't pull up. Reeves is a contact machine. He's always eliciting contact. Um, You know, again, the other night, I mean, Anthony Davis shot one three. He gets to the line. When LeBron puts his mind to it, he does. So they're going to get a lot of free throws. The downside is that's a lot of contact. Anthony Davis hits the floor. So I kind of know what I see. They're going to get people into foul trouble. Darvin Ham is an excellent defensive coach. The minute Westbrook left, he got buy-in from the role players. And their defensive efficiency went through the roof. So they play real defense. They have a defensive coach. Vogel Vogel was a pretty good defensive coach. Defensive coach, they have guys that attack the basket. They're going to get free throws, meaning they're going to be fairly consistent on offense. What I see is the liability. And I don't believe role players win titles. Malik Beasley, where did he go? Rui can play 12 minutes and give you one shot and no points. I mean, he's just, that's why he moves. Um, Their bench at times is just not there. Now they, they tend to be guys that will commit on the defensive end, but I think I, you're going to get a very consistent effort. They'll play good defense. They'll get to the free throw line. They're going to be in games. Absolutely going to be in games. Whereas you watch, you know, there are teams like if Phoenix doesn't hit shots, they don't get to the line as much. They're going to get blown out. Um, By the way, the Warriors don't get much front-court scoring. They settle on jumpers. They're going to have nights. They don't get to the free-throw line. So anytime the Lakers actually have the worst style, considering they have injured players, they're constantly in contact. Their players create it. So the good news is they're going to get to the free-throw line. And if you do that, you force other teams to make substitutions. You get them out of their game because of foul trouble. So I think the Lakers will be really a really consistent team, and you just cross your fingers on health. Reeves, you know, when it first started, I thought, is he Jeremy Lynn? <laughs> a limited player who's getting minutes because they just, because Carmelo's out, Jeremy Lynn's in, they just need his energy, right? And I thought, okay, LeBron, they just need his energy, but he really is an Excellent passer, gets to the free throw line, but he's a willing. I I always say, is he a willing defender? Westbrook's a terrible defender. Kyrie's a terrible. Luke is a terrible defender. Um, Reeves is going to stick. He's a real player. He's a starting NBA player.
3: You know it's funny the free throw thing is so funny to me when I was when I was growing up listening to you, Colin. You to all the time go after conspiracy theorists, and you'd be like, "What I hate about conspiracies is there's always one giant hole." And you'd be like, "Like the why didn't we ever find a bigfoot, you know, carcass somewhere one of these days?" You know, <laughs> and it, and to me, to me, that's the thing with the Laker free throw uh, debate. Is it's like okay, the league is just trying to rig these games against the Lakers. It's like then why didn't LeBron get the call against Tatum at the end of the game against Boston? Why didn't LeBron get the call against Christian Wood at the end of the game against Dallas? Like, if it was rigged for the Lakers, they're getting the wrong calls wrong. You know what I mean? So I've never really bought into that. It's really this simple. They're one of the best teams in the league at defending without fouling. And they're one of the best teams in the league at getting to the free throw line. Therefore, you're going to have a massive differential. The second best free throw differential team is the Miami Heat. And they don't generate a lot of free throws. So again, they're the only team that's good at both. That's why they have the big deficit. It's the most simple explanation in the entire world. Now, the bench thing is super interesting. And this is where Darvin Ham, I think, has kind of dropped the ball a little bit post-deadline. The Lakers have five really, really good shot creators. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, DeAngelo Russell, and Dennis Schroeder. And one of the things that But Darvin Ham has been doing is he's been going with a line shift approach with his subs. So he'll take D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron, and Anthony Davis all out of the game at the same time. And then they ran a unit against the Bulls yesterday with Dennis Schroeder and four bench guys. And like, that's just, you're setting yourself up for failure. I always say that role players, if you can create for them small roles, they will thrive and knock those roles out of the park. As soon as you grow their roles... They have to outkick their coverage. They're not capable of it. They start to be in over their skis and they make mistakes. And so they need to have two or three of those guys on the floor at all times to have a chance to succeed. And Darvin Ham just hasn't really done, uh, I think a good enough job of staggering that said up in everybody's minutes, you know, Malik Beasley is completely off the reservation. Like it's, and you know, this is a recurring theme with the Lakers. They're a high pressure franchise. Their fan base is ravenous. and like. Like, I'll I'll give you an example, D'Angelo Russell, and maybe it's because he was there when he was a kid in his formative years. He is thriving under that LA pressure but Malik Beasley is falling apart underneath it. And it's getting to the point where now he's like, there was a play yesterday, I don't know if you saw it in the Bulls game where he was dribbling up the floor Malik was, and he just dribbled into Anthony Davis and fell over and lost the ball. Like, it it, (laughs) it was like he's completely off the reservation. And I actually think they need to try to pull him entirely from the rotation at this point, either up the other guards minutes or go with Lonnie Walker. But so they definitely have some stuff they got to iron out in terms of the rotation, but I love their combination of rock fight, front court physicality, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, supplemented by real skill in the backcourt and forwards that can do the dirty work. And Jared Vanderbilt and Wenyon Gabriel in particular. And so really, the, the vulnerability is the health. And you made a great point. They play a style that requires you to be resilient physically. The best example of this is that Sun series two years ago. Anthony Davis obliterated them in game two and game three just by killing them on the offensive glass, fighting for every rebound. Like it wasn't like he was hitting ISO jumpers in that game. No, he killed them physically at the rim and then broke down in game four. And so that's where it's like when you're asking them to go through four rounds, you know, where you're playing, you have to beat a team four times in two weeks, four times in a row. It is a lot to ask. And that's why, like, if you ask me, gun to my head right now, who's going to win the West? I go Denver just because no one else deserves that faith. You know, I'd go Denver and then probably Phoenix, but like all those other teams, it's like, yeah, if Wiggins comes back, Warriors court, like let's go. They're going to do it. Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis stay healthy. Of course they can do it. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker get hot. Yeah, the Suns can win. But there's so many question marks with those groups, whereas Denver has just been good all year. And at what point does that become the safest bet?
0: Well, I think. The West all season is about who's healthy is winning. Why would it change in the playoffs? I think the playoffs are going to be the regular season. If LeBron and AD are healthy, watch out. Denver probably healthy, watch out. Um, Clippers probably won't be. Wiggins probably won't come back, and Chris Paul or Kevin Durant get dinged. So I mean, if some this is what it's been all regular season. Like the, let's be honest, Memphis has depth. They they lost John Morant for a spell, but they have real depth. They've won a lot of games. Um, You know, Denver. We can we can talk about are they built for the playoffs, but they've they've got pretty good depth. They got about seven eight guys that really play. So my guess is that's the playoffs. And you know, it. it, it, I I really do like Phoenix. Um, I, I I think the thing with. that's interesting with Denver is Draymond Green, his game doesn't get in Jokic's head because he plays so far away from the basket. So Draymond's really changes your offense. He's really, he's like Rodman, but a catalyst on offense as well. He's a better version of Rodman, not the rebounder, but the better overall player. Um, But it doesn't really work against Jokic because he's so far out. So you kind of take Draymond out of space. And if you take Looney away from the basket, they're tiny. I mean, they they are just so vulnerable on the glass. So I I like Golden State if Wiggins came back. But if he doesn't, you know, I think the Lakers would beat Denver in a seven-game series. I think they're a weird matchup for the Warriors. And I think the Warriors know it. I don't think they want any part of Denver. I think they want Phoenix. I think the Warriors want Phoenix. I don't think they want any part of Denver. Jokic is just a, you know, he's he's such an unemotional player. So the Draymond stuff, it just doesn't, it doesn't. I was talking to the T Wolves coach about this off the air. He loves Draymond, you know, and he just said, he, he, Jokic doesn't buy into any of it. He's not an emotional player like that. And, uh, you know, you said this earlier, there are teams that match up really well with other teams. And I think you're going to see matchups and health will dictate the West.
3: Yeah, that's what's so interesting about them potentially getting the five seed is I like their matchup against Golden State against Phoenix. But your reward for beating Phoenix would be Denver in round two. And I like them as a team that can beat Denver with Wiggins. But without Wiggins, I just I just don't think they have the size to hang. They're just
0: too small. They're just too small. Yep.
3: All right, guys. That is all we have for tonight. Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out tonight. It's always fun talking basketball with you. Oh, it was
0: great. I enjoyed it. Talk soon, buddy. The Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure, download the Draymond Green show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the volume podcast network. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.